Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Watch him throw the ball, we gon' pick it off You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight You the type to wanna win by any means, right? You should look alive, this is Trapper Dive Yes sir, welcome back to another episode of Trapper Dive Podcast I am your host, Molly Moe Jamal Force in here with the fella. The rest of the fellas are on the way. Montel's checking in right now, uh, a.k.a. Hef. First off, we went from Jeff Gordon to Hefe Gordon. <laughs> I just realized that, bro. What, we morphing as, as time goes on, bro? It's all the same, bro. Jeff is Hefe. Jeff is Hefe, bro. I thought you changed it. Then he changed the tone up, bro, when he said it's all the same, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you was lit this weekend, huh? Bro. Yeah, man. It was a dead B day, bro. Um oh. had some people come in town. And obviously, you know, Morgan Homecoming thing, but right. uh they had some events still. We ain't going on campus, but they they had some things around B more. So uh turned up for for dead B day, bro. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm 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 a trooper though, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna take a couple days off, but I'm back at it again next week. Next weekend, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Up. <laughs> I ain't no drinking on the show, man. We need water. <laughs> I look, I feel it, bro. I ain't gonna lie. I, I wasn't out outside, but I was still turned up. So I'm I'm back. I'm definitely on the water wave. I'm with you. Well, what you do um Sunday, man, with the with the games kind of well, I guess no no commanders games. Uh you had to really you had the Sunday to yourself for real. Yeah, and nah, me, me and wifey, we ended up just chilling for real, getting a lot of rush, you know, because, man, little man was running us ragged. So I dropped him off to Mar Duke's house, and we ended up, you know, just kind of having a date day Saturday, resting mm-hmm. Sunday, went and got him, came back, got some more sleep. So, you know, well, that's amazing, chilling. bro. Caught up on some. First off, yeah. I can only, I don't, I'm not a parent, so I can only imagine, like, bro. when you say sleep, like, your, your sleep is like a different level, like, when he say sleeping, mean clapping. I ain't never seen somebody smile so hard and say sleep. <laughs> Yo, stupid. Yo, stupid. Hey, AJ, just checking in, man. What's going on with you, player? Cooling, 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 man. Ready to talk to the commanders. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's time for some commanders talk. Um, I don't know how everybody feel. Uh, well, first off, first and foremost, like, subscribe if you're just checking in. Appreciate y'all joining us live. Um, if you're on the, the, the audio side and you haven't given us a rating and review, we definitely appreciate y'all taking some time out to get that done. Um, and Monty, I see you, football enjoyer. His first words, man, he had to let us know. Quan Mar- Martin is not it, man. Uh, appreciate y'all checking in. Uh, yeah, he came in, he came in hot, man. But, um, yeah, here's kind of where I met with this. Like, I, I we had a little 10 day layover and obviously, or 10 day break. And, um, the, the day hasn't come yet in terms of game day for Washington. Sunday's still a few days away. Uh, but like, I had this thought, which isn't, I guess, something like earth shattering, I would say, but I was trying to like make sense of everything thing that happened this weekend right and 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 why several things right to one part is why do i not see uh a coaching staff um or even players like 
have this level of urgency that you would expect them to have after a game like that um, against the Chicago Bears. Um, but also, like, um, who is the Washington Commanders, right? And 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 for me, I've all I've never said that this team was a double digit win team preseason. Like I, they were going to be around that seven or nine win range, and and I and I always felt that. And I said at at worst, you can even win five games, um, five or six. I forgot what I said, but at worst, it can really get that bad. Um, and then I think about what happened against the Bears, right? I told y'all on Thursday or maybe even Tuesday last week that um, I was talking to my trainer, one of my trainers, and I said, Washington, like Chicago's capable of, of beating Washington. Like that's not a that's not a secret, but for the circumstances in which Washington is viewed and then the circumstances in which Chicago is viewed, which is one of the worst teams in the NFL, um, they're 0-4. They can't win a damn game. That offense looks abysmal in terms of like the clips that people show. Um, you, Washington, cannot lose that game because it's going to look extra bad. So for you to lose, but then get blown out against Chicago, like blown out in an embarrassing fashion in the national spotlight, I think that is what really confused or or even like like broke the dam in terms of like the emotional well-being of the fan base. But my main thing and the reason why I'm bringing this up and trying to figure out, like, who is this team? Um, I, I don't I don't know how many people guaranteed that they would lose that they would be Chicago. Like from a sense of at the end of the day, Washington isn't like a, a top tier team. Like they're still viewed as like an average middle of the pack team. So like would losing to Chicago, like from the grand scheme of things, a win loss standpoint, not how you lost. But a win-loss standpoint, losing to Chicago should have never been a, a, a place where we look at them and say, how the hell could you have lost to Chicago? Um, I think everything leading up to uh, that week and that Thursday encouraged us and encouraged everybody to think that there is no way that you can lose and this offense is looking good and um, we're concerned about the defense. But as long as this offense keeps growing, we're going to be able to uh, comfortably beat Chicago. This is an average team. We're going to get into the bigger picture here, but this is an average team um, that's fighting to be uh, above average and, and and getting out that 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 middle of the pack. But you're going up a, a, against another team who, unfortunately, lost their first four games of the season. Like they was up twenty eight seven against the Broncos just four days ago, like four days before the Thursday game. They were up twenty eight to seven. Like and they gave up a they gave up a bad lead. I just think that for for all of us to to kind of like rationalize everything that's going on in terms of like the the morale. Um, I'm not sitting here and saying like shake it off and because like I I have several thoughts about the the staff and, and things like that. I just think that maybe we jumped the gun thinking that Chicago was one of the worst teams in the NFL. Like they probably got some things to fix, but maybe they just couldn't get right the first first three games at that or first four games and 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 nobody in washington saw it the way chicago did and and that's what that's what really surprised a lot of people uh, i mean i think i think chicago is the worst team in the nfl uh the case is you just went against a team that just is unprepared actually let um, me let me pause that you got you got the floor aj but think about it like this Arizona was viewed as the worst team in the NFL before we played them. And I, I all of us that that proved that I they didn't weren't. View, I didn't view them that way. Like I'm but but I'm but but see that's what I'm saying though. Like not just not just us on this show, right? But I'm saying like that was the consensus. Like we're talking about people expecting them expecting Washington to whoop on Arizona like 40, 41 to 17. And it proved to be untrue. And that's all I'm saying. You got the floor, AJ. I was just saying, like, from that instance, like. It's it's hard to say that somebody is the worst team in the NFL so early in the season. Like we don't know that, but I also think that for Washington to be viewed as the middle of the pack, and they have consistently shown that to that point, based on who they've beaten, right? Chicago is probably a team that's just not in that same. They're not they're not as bad as people were expecting, but but we couldn't see that from a Washington perspective. 
I yeah, think I mean, they're still they're still around hovering around the middle of the pack. Yeah, I mean Washington is definitely uh I guess you could say middle of the pack or bottom tier. Uh yeah. I, I think I came across something today, power ranking wise, that had them at 25. Um I don't think Arizona is as bad as people thought they would be going into the season. Arizona still got players. You feel me? You still got some guys over there. With Chicago, they truly just they truly lack talent and coaching staff overall. So when a team like that comes in and they hadn't won a game since October of 2022, that tells you they're the worst team in the league. You feel me? To not win a game a whole year later, uh, <laughs> I don't know what more could exemplify being the worst team in the in the league, and and they didn't really make that many that many changes uh, to push them over to the next level as it's carried on. Uh, unfortunately, you know they went up against a team that was uninspired. Um, truly felt like they were the better team, and the coaching staff overall game plan and wise made them feel like they were the better team, and they got comfortable. You know, it's just kind of like the human element. You sometimes, sometimes people underestimate their opponent or people in general. Like, let's say, for instance, if you were to go play a pickup game two on two and you get the first pick, if there's a guy standing there at six, nine, and then there's somebody that's that's five, eight without ever seeing them dribble the ball or shoot, more than likely, you're probably going to take the six, nine dudes just because of the height. But in reality, six nine dude don't even know how to dribble, and the five the five nine dude just led his team to the state championship. <laughs> you feel me? Averaging twenty four a game, like that's just what people do. And in this case, if your coaches don't have you prepared to go against teams as if they're elite, in a sense, you're always going to be in a situation where you play down to your competition. So that's why one week you could play up to your competition in a sense against the Philadelphia Eagles, but then against the Bears, you you lay an egg. And you we, we've kind of seen this under Ron Rivera's tenureship no matter what. Uh, the Jaguars last year, the Lions um, in the past, like this is, isn't the first time that Washington has got ragdog. you feel me, by a, a less than team in our eyes. I just think overall, man, um, them boys that tapped out on Ron Rivera's voice, um, they don't really care much for what he got to say. They kind of know what it is unless something changes. Right now, they don't really know what's going on, especially defensively. Um, guys are kind of all over the place. They don't they don't even know how to really think. They they believe in one another and their skill set, but defensively, they don't really know what the hell is going on. And it just gets worse as, you know, the injury uh, report comes in about Defoe uh, being on IR. Um, now the team is forced to play their second-round pick in Quan Martin, uh, which sounds wild to say you're forced to play your second-round pick. Um, and then you got Percy Butler. You know, I'm not really a fan of him from from college, and I, I still see the same thing from um, – from the the snaps that he's had in the pros but i mean it's the nfl man anybody can get it so that's why you just got to come out and you just got to prepare and 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 be on your 10 toes and, and and have your guys ready to play no matter who the competition is whether it's the super bowl champions or it's the chicago bears i'm gonna say this man <laughs> I don't think the Bears, let's just, I don't think they're the worst team in the NFL, right? I mean, who's this, who is the worst team in the NFL? I don't think it matters. I think that's what I'm getting at. The Broncos. God damn, they suck. <laughs> okay, let's say, oh, all right, let's say the Broncos suck. Like how we, what's up? Bro, what's, what we doing here? It's like, no, let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> My thing is, it doesn't matter if they're the worst team in the NFL. It didn't matter if Arizona was viewed as the worst team in the NFL when we played them in week one. I think the bigger issue is losing to the Chicago Bears. Basically, it answered your question, Maul, when you said, what is this team? That That's it right there. I think we've had a few of these games under Ron Rivera's tenure. And it kind of tells you what direction the season is going. Don't get fooled if we beat Atlanta on Sunday. Don't get fooled if we beat the Giants after that. 
don't even get fooled if we beat the Eagles, which we're not. But don't be fooled. That's what this team is. And you guys said middle of the pack. I like to say bottom tier middle. Um, kind of where the Falcons are. A team can. that they're not going to make no noise even if they do get to the playoffs. I, and I think it brings in the question, and this is the bigger picture, is like, is it time to kind of embrace the overhaul? Maybe not in a sense of firing Ron Rivera, firing Jock Del Rio, but kind of doing what the Vikings and the Broncos are doing. Basically telling you, hey, we're going to fold this hand this season. And like I said, when you go out and you get blown out at home by a Chicago Bears team, and somebody in the comments mentioned this, who was hurt? Severely hurt. They had the fullback running the ball in the third quarter. Like, we weren't even in it. We weren't even – and I think that that's who this team is. It's a very inconsistent team. They're going to play hard one week. They're going to play down one week. You're going to win some games. You probably win a game or two you aren't supposed to win, but you're going to lose two or three you aren't supposed to lose. Those type of teams, they don't have success in the NFL. So I think we know who this team is, and I think we got to start asking more questions moving forward because I know a lot of fans – you know, years prior, and I may be guilty of it myself, falling for that fool's gold of that three-game winning streak, that four-game winning streak. But don't fall for it, bro. Like this team, like you mentioned at the beginning, at the top of the show, it's a seven-win team, max a nine-win team, but it could easily be a five-win team. You know what your team is. Don't don't be fooled. Yeah, um, I think I think the question because you hit me up. I think yesterday or maybe today, um, and you had posed that question. Um, I think it provides layers, right? Like when you think about a, a rebuild, you have to ask yourself um, a, a rebuild from a sense of like overhauling a roster. Like what does that even look like for Washington? And and how do you even distinguish from a, a player standpoint who is really suffering from a poor schematic uh, uh, coaching era or or coaching coaching flaw, or who is really just not that good, right? And I'm not gonna sit here because I've always I've always said like and, and how I how I view things how my brain works. Um, I always view things are like what are they doing on the field? Um, are they doing this well? Are they doing this uh poorly? And it it is more so a player eval than it is like un, like seeing what the, the actual team is doing. But then like when you look at it from a macro picture, you know, and you start emphasizing like what is the actual offense doing and what is the actual defense doing from a coaching standpoint? Like, is this what that person does best? Like, what do you see? What do you see on film? And like those small sample sizes or those large sample sizes, what that person does well. And um, I, I think for some players, uh, I, I, you can even look at the defensive line. Um, everybody lines up at, at the same exact position, every single play. Um, and it's like, do we want to experiment down there and see if we can create better matchups for this, for this, for this defensive line? Um, do we want to look at even the, the linebackers and AJ talks about this a lot? Uh, are we going to keep trying to find ways to send, uh, uh, uh Jamin Davis on blitzes can we even get creative to the point where we can send Jamin Davis on certain type of blitzes that's not always in the a gap like can we send them on the edge can we can we try to disguise it a little bit better um and then you look at even the secondary um Quan Martin is a person that AJ mentioned when he started uh when he gave his response to uh, my statement like they tried him at three different positions, Buffalo nickel slot. And he was at safety. I forgot if he played free or strong. I, I don't remember, but we're going to find out regardless this week, um, what he was doing. Uh, where is he going to play? And, and, and what does he do best? Like it's five games into the season and nobody knows anything about Quan Martin in terms of on the field. So like you, ha you have all these questions in terms of like an overhaul. What does that look like for this roster? Um, you can, you can think about something like that. And, and I think that you can even entertain like when the trade deadline is, is a uh, week seven or week eight or something like that. You can even evaluate week eight. Okay. You can even evaluate like where you're at, at week seven. If we haven't won a game in three more weeks, like what does that look like for ownership? When do they say, all right, Ron, 
we can start moving this guy. We can start looking at offers for this guy. Um, all these other things. I don't know, but an overhaul is is I don't I don't even see something where it's like fifty percent, like more than twenty percent of the rosters flipped. That's probably like a ten percent thing. Um, and 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 seeing if you can get value for people, uh, it's something that you can entertain. It, it just depends on, on on where you're at. Um, but yeah, man, it's it, it you really got to see if like these players are 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 suffering from the scheme more is it or more so is it these guys that are really it having issues with um actually just playing good in the NFL. And let me just jump in real quick. Oh my bad. Yeah, Dre Dre's just checking <laughs> in for those that's listening. Dre just checked in. What's going on, Dre? You got the floor to go. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say, I mean, listening to the tail end of your conversation, the issue I'm having is we're we're still having these questions in year four. You know, it's like, do you not understand your personnel or do you not understand what you've already crafted? Now, see, you talk about guys like Quan Martin who can't step on the field, and Ron's, you know, excuse is he has guys slated ahead of him. My issue is the roster isn't good enough to just draft guys for luxury at this point. You know, you have holes. You know, not, I'm not going to say you have holes all over the roster because you have guys, you have some good guys here and there, but there's positions like the offensive line that struggles. I mean, you still got posi- uh, linebacker issues, yet we're drafting guys who can't play over other guys right now. I mean, that's what Ron says. I mean, he likes depth. That death is fine, but you aren't the San Francisco 49ers or the Eagles in this conference. You need guys that can make impact right now. Like this whole draft, Emmanuel Forbes is the only guy that's playing, really. I mean, th- at this point, he got benched. <laughs> so, you know, mm-hmm. no one in this draft class is making an impact on this team. And we don't even know if Ron's going to be here after this year. So, are they going to ever make an impact? This could go down as one of the worst draft classes in our team history. <laughs> I mean, just looking at, you know, whether these guys yeah. are going to play or not, whether they're going to have an impact down the line, because, you know, everyone's future is in a flux right now. So it, it kind of angers me, you know, and upsets me when I see, you know, you drafting guys that can't help you right now. Or you don't have a place to play them. Now, I want to see Quan Martin play this week. I hope I hope he's playing. But if he's not playing this week with the injuries to uh, Defoe and Jeremy Reeves, that's 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 an indictment on what they think of him at this point. And at this point, they're saying he's not ready to make an impact on this team. And that's a huge problem with me, man. <laughs> Let me add into the conversation. Monta, you got the floor, but I, I want to add this into the conversation. And and I'm I'm looking at this tweet for the first time, but AJ, I saw you responded, so you already hit to this. What I'm about to say. Um, this from Ben Standick. Uh, I, I missed the I missed the pressure yesterday, so um, he he was able to put a tweet out. He said this quote from Ron Rivera yesterday is interesting. Kind of sounds like they selected Quan Martin, who's had zero snaps to this point. Quan uh, Martin defensive in he messed up, he messed up in the second round because the defense struggled when when a camp curl got injured and missed games. His quote was uh, quote unquote. There's a reason why we drafted some of those guys. An example is Quan. What happened last year to Cam, we really felt like that we needed to have another top flight, young, death type of safety, and that's what we did in the draft. And you selected that in the second round. Montel, you got the floor. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to I wanted to say this. I've been thinking this for some years now to finally say it. Can we kill this narrative that Ron Rivera drafts well? I don't know where that started in the fan base. He doesn't draft well. I got his, another narrative that we got to kill too, bro. A lot of fans are all. Can we? Can we just well. kill Ron Rivera? Look, <laughs> right, hold on, bro. Relax. He's well, serious too. Well, he is serious. I'm just playing. That's the thing with the fan base where people always Ron Rivera drafts so well. He drafts so well. I'm like the, and they always point to like Cam Curl, and I'm like, what is? That's my son. What is Cam Curl really like? Solid safety, not a star. Like let's let's kill it. I got something else I want to come back to. I'm gonna let you guys have the floor. I got I got ten to some business right fast, but <laughs> he's not he's not a great drafter. Let's let's kill that narrative. So here's the thing I wanted to say. I was watching the Sunday night football game, Jerry and AJ, and we knew this already. So what I'm about to say isn't like a surprise but when you see really good linebacker play from the san francisco 49ers and you see how active they are you see how physical they are you see how fast they are right in terms of not just not just actual foot speed but like how they process things right like they know 
They know what they're seeing and they're reacting quick as hell. And when you see how disruptive they can be on the second level, how the hell did Ron Rivera and his coaching staff convince 98% of the fan base that linebackers don't matter? Like, they went on this whole diatribe about like how we're morphing our defense from a 4-3 to a 4-2-5. We're going to put Cam Curl in the box. We're going to make things shaking that way. Oh, I don't really care about Cole Holcomb like that. We can let him go and bring in Cody Barr in, who may not be as good as Cole Holcomb, because, but but we don't know that because he's been behind a, a poor uh, Seattle def- defensive line. And I feel like if we put him, who we can't confirm if he's good or not just yet, but if we can put him behind our defensive line, he may play better than what he did in Seattle. But he can't get off second level blocks. He gets driven off the ball. His first step on the second level is, I mean, excuse me, when 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 lineman climbs to the second level is backwards. Like he avoids the contact initially. Um, to convince yourself that, and, and Jamin, I, I actually don't have too many negatives to say. I mean, he's not a perfect player. He actually has his struggles. But for the most part, he he's a person that's growing, and I and I like the the fact that he's finding a niche. Um, he's he's starting to learn a little. He's starting to play a little bit faster, and, and that's really good for a person who is as fast and, and and as strong as Jamin Davis. But when it comes to Cole, I mean Cole and Cody, for you to have this evaluation uh, method and strategy to say that linebackers really don't matter that much, um, I, I think that was a, a major gap that we probably didn't recognize early on. Because if you look at other teams, San Fran being one of the bigger teams out there, right? The the biggest example. But when you look at other teams and you see good linebacker play, bro, how the hell does it not matter? How the hell can it be de-emphasized? It's one of the most important positions on the field defensively is having a good linebacker, having two, two one really good linebacker and one solid linebacker, having something there and not having a, a, a rotating door of people where you can sit here and say, I think he could work for a year or two, and then we'll worry about we'll replace him with the next guy. That that doesn't that doesn't make sense. And I'm speaking after I didn't had four years of watching like this whole plan just flop, just doesn't work. But see, Ma, I think I think that can work if you have you excel in coverage in the back in, in the back end with the secondary. Washington doesn't, so your coverage issues are on display with the linebackers, the secondary, all of it is going to be, you know, you can't mask it. You can't mask bad linebacker play if your coverage isn't excellent in the back end. And I think Washington kind of thought they can do that, or at least that was, you know, the way they was building this roster because linebackers never mattered since they got here. I mean, they brought old Thomas Davis here when they first came in. Uh, what was the cat they brought in? Um, uh, Pernell McPhee from the Ravens. He was here at one point. I mean, but none of these guys, all of these guys were stop gaps, or as you say, these were holdovers until they thought they could find something else. And that's one of my issues with the whole roster building thing, because what is the plan? And like you said, when you look at the best defenses among the league, you know, San Francisco, you know, I even look at guys like Seattle, you know, Bobby Wagner can still play ball up there. I mean, you know, Buffalo, the play, linebackers yeah, in Buffalo. Milano. I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And that's the team Ron wants to be. He wants to be the Buffalo Bills. But it's always been a mystery for us here. Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio both played the linebacker position. And now all of a sudden, both of these guys don't think linebackers matter. Like you said, you see it all around the league. I made a tweet earlier today with the 40 about the 49ers about how they're still beating asses with old school football. You know, I mean, they, they, they still built their roster pretty much how you built an old school roster. They still employ the fullback. They got the linebackers all over the field. I mean, granted, they're talented at all of these positions, but they're kicking ass and a lot of people can't really match up with them. So maybe you want to emulate these teams at some point and stop saying, well, you know, this doesn't matter. We're doing this the modern way. It's, it's not modern because it's not working. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I think. uh they truly just don't have an identity of how they want to build out a team and their personnel. Um, when you bring up the linebackers, such as the Milano, Milano was a fifth round pick. Come on, man. Like Fred Warner, we've seen what he's been doing in his career with San Francisco, but especially highlighted Sunday night against the Cowboys. He's all over the field. He's running down with Brandon Cooks, who's one of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL overall. Like he just knows. His his football, his football IQ acumen is is high level. 
high tier. Whereas with Ron Rivera and, and his his team, they pretty much go after four year seniors. They they go after like four year players, and then when they bring them into the regime, they then tell the media and the fan base that these guys can't play right now. They need time to develop. Aside from aside from the Jamin Davis pick at linebacker. I don't really remember them drafting any other linebackers to even try to groom, whether it be middle, middle linebacker or yeah, right outside linebacker. The only the only guy I've I can remember off the top of my head is Jamin Davis. Outside of that, they haven't even drafted any other guys. Like Ron did consider- draft. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Khalid Hudson. He didn't draft him. Did was that a J? I want to say twenty nineteen. I'm out to double check, yeah, but that's yeah, that's the other okay. person that came I think, up. Yeah. I think that was Khalid Hudson. But yeah, like you're not even developing guys. Um, even safety 2020, play, like, 2020. Like you look round. at but he's not even uh, playing on the field. Like Khalid yeah. don't even get time on the field. I mean, who fun he funga the safety for the for the 49ers. Niners. He's another he's another fifth round pick. Um, you know, uh take the long snapper for Washington, Cheeseman. He was picked oh, one he was picked one pick before the Kansas City Chiefs took Trey Smith, their guard. Just picture that. Like, I don't know what they're really looking for. At, at the end of the day, no one's getting groomed. You're you're just putting players to the side. And it sucks because there will be a new regime that comes in. And some of these guys will not be – they probably won't be on the team because the way that they view – the way that a lot of other people in the NFL, especially those that know football, aren't going to view them the same. Um, so it will be intriguing this weekend when Aquan Martin has to play um, by force, in a sense. Uh, we'll see how many snaps he gets. Uh, we'll also see if Emmanuel Forbes gets back into the rotation as a starter um, because that could be another <clears throat> huge issue. If you're going to start Danny Johnson over Emmanuel Forbes, no. then we got a we got a big we got a big issue on our hands right there. Um, yeah, man, it's it's just unfortunate. I don't know how they've been able to sell that that dream, that MLK dream, uh, to people that linebackers don't matter in the league. It's more so you don't know how to find a damn linebacker, and that is really what the issue is. That's why you're trying to devalue it to your system and your scheme because you don't know how to hit on one, and you keep trying to do these bargain deals. You keep shopping at Dollar General for linebackers and expecting – to get Neiman Marcus return on it. Like, I mean, Cody Barton's tape tells you exactly who he is. You're not going to hit. You're, you're, you giving him the green dot means nothing. And you knew that immediately. So you didn't even adjust. You weren't even proactive during the mini camps, training camp, all even forget training camp during the mini camp at OTAs. We were told he was on the second unit. Mm -hmm. That tells you everything. He ain't really he ain't really pushed to the first unit until they started playing preseason games. That tells you everything you need to know. Magic is oh go ahead, Mateo. Yeah. He's going off. Hey, look, look. I, I think y'all preaching today. I, the only thing I wanted to say I, before my son interrupted me was <laughs> is it me or is Ron Rivera? Because I'm like, I've always had my personal gripe with him, but I always thought he was like a respectable guy he's becoming like less likable now and i think a lot of it is like the bs talk and i think a lot of it is trying to like you say he's he's sold 98 of the fan base that linebackers don't matter like to me a person that knows ball and the guys like y'all that people that know ball it's like you're insulting our intelligence bro like you're not gonna sell me on your fluke drink i know you can't coach for real and I, that's starting to really annoy me because despite losing games, losing makes you, um, you know, make to the fan base. We don't like you anyway. But I think a lot of the BS trying to smooth talk, trying to, you know, just finesse his way out of situations, putting blame on other guys, that's starting to get old, dude. And, and I mean, you on your way out and typically on your way out the doors, like, and this is not to attack him personally. I'm just saying, like, the coach, Ron Rivera, I don't know him as a person. But the coach Ron Rivera is becoming a lot less likable, bro. <laughs> like, I want to know, was it just – I was watching his, the interview today, you know, Ben Stanton posed the question about, you know, people not playing. And he starts talking about uh, Sam Howe and stuff. I'm just like, 
I literally watching the interview. I was like, just completely, completely said, you know, to hell with your question. We're gonna talk. I was like, what, bro? Like, I literally that's that was my. I said, what? What are you talking about? Like, what what are you talking about, bro? That's that's what he feels like gives him an opportunity to to leverage. Like, hey, we're in this position because we are starting a younger quarterback. There's always been a, a method to the madness. Like the Sam Howell thing didn't necessarily come out of thin air. It was planned in order to make him feel like he still has the opportunity to build. <laughs> like, whereas if you bring in a veteran quarterback or if you draft someone high first, second round, you're expecting more of a result. A fifth round quarterback, a lot of people hate when you bring up the fifth round quarterback aspect, but it's reality. It's like, ownership the fan base also have to look at that in his eyes and say damn well they're trying their best you know he is a fifth round quarterback (laughs) like like he's just he's just full of shit bro like that's just what it is and i've been peeped it like i didn't really pay a lot of attention to ron rivera prior to coming to washington i knew different nuances things of that nature but like actually being a fan of this team and having to hear the 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 things that comes out of his mouth is just like are you serious bro like who yeah. who who are you lying to bro like you're full That's of it, it is, and and even jack the real they 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 from the same cloth like i ain't tell y'all but I, i've been trying to get akeem to leave on the show who played under jack del real like i'm trying to get him on here so you he can help us break down some of this db tape also give us some more insight into jack del real but it's like, bro, they they the same dudes, man. And everything with them is reactive. It's not proactive. So that's why when people mention trade deadlines, uh, adding this player, none of that stuff is ever going to happen. Like, look in this situation. They lost their safety, right? They go bring up dudes from practice squad or guys that nobody else is looking for. There's no veteran presence. Whenever any injuries take place, they never go to – to to really bring in veterans that could truly contribute. Yeah. It's whoever, they, it's whoever they know, whoever yeah, they comfortable it's, with. It's, it's lesser, it's lesser quality players. Like that's that's just what it is. They don't really want to coach. They just want Let, people that been in their regime that they cut along the way. That's sitting at home chilling, relaxing, and just waiting on that call <laughs> to come back with the commanders, and they don't mind because they just try and get their bread. Let's um add to the secondary thing. I wanted to try to. I know Ron is a is a topic that that can go on for days, honestly, and, and we can circle back to that towards the end. With I got a question for us, um, but Magic is is you're absolutely right. Um, we spent some time on the linebackers mainly because of me. I, I wanted to just emphasize like that was just some. I, I feel like after after what three four years of evidence, that was just something that was convenient of him to say, and and we got confused. Um, linebackers are very important, but. You're right. Like the secondary, uh, I feel like is like as a collective unit is playing is playing worse than the linebackers, um, and and it's not necessarily a Kendall or uh, a Ben thing, right? Your your safeties are struggling, and then your rookie cornerback is struggling. Linebackers is just Cody Barton, <laughs> but uh, you got you got three people in your secondary. Two of them are safeties. Um, Derek Ford just got hurt. Percy Butler. Um, is a young, inexperienced guy. Uh, but Derek Forrest was struggling. He's very, he's been inconsistent. He had a really good year last year. Came on strong when he got his opportunity. But he's had his ups and downs uh, this year. Uh, in a in a more, uh, I guess he, he's a, he's being a little bit more of a reliable post safety for them. Or he he was viewed as a reliable post safety post safety for them. Um, and I I think. For, for them to have this drop off in terms of what what they want from uh, a cover standpoint and the the younger guys inability to to understand like how to use their eyes or, or being disciplined discipline excuse me eye discipline and, and being in the right spots in terms of your landmarks and not getting fooled on on simple things and and getting beat on simple things uh with your younger guys it's like uh you you can't afford that because you're putting so much pressure on these guys. Um, in terms of the amount of playing time that you're giving them. Um, last year, I don't remember who I talked to, but you know, everybody wasn't really a fan of Bobby McCain, or mostly everybody, but he was one of your your smart veterans who can play in the box, he can play slot, he can play free. And and he was a person who was smart 
and he knew he knew what he can do back there. Uh, and, and it's not to say you. I'm not. I want to be clear. I'm not saying you miss um, Bobby, but it's more so like if you don't have that veteran back there, right? Why change? Why even change up what you did from a year ago? Uh, to, to this year, like you're you're relying on a lot more man coverage up front. You're relying on these safeties to 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 really like uh from a from a, a half standpoint or even like a single high standpoint, like to to be consistently on their landmarks or, or play the play the coverages right. And like they're not like seven times out of ten is not working. And then obviously Emmanuel Forbes, uh, he's having his he's having his issues, especially in man coverage. Like why? It's, it's some things that's being changed in that secondary that has changed in that secondary over the four, the first five weeks that they they weren't really uh, or that they were they weren't playing last year. Um, and I think that's really hurting these guys. And it's like, why the change? But also when you go with younger guys and you're changing up what they did from a year ago, uh, why even risk that? Like, that's a huge risk to sit there and expect them to, to really uh, pick that up and also uh, execute it. Because because you felt that that was a need for your defense. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at. Like the secondary if, is playing worse than the linebackers. If I could add in real quick, I think that's why you also have to ask yourself, why isn't there more veteran presence, especially within the secondary? Uh, when you look at the safeties, there's nobody to help coach these guys on the practice field. That's a that's a player that's active. that's seen all different type of looks win against different quarterbacks, offenses, like everyone is learning when you have such a young group in a Percy Butler, Defoe, uh, Quan Martin, a Jeremy Reeves, you really have no, <clears throat> no real vet that can tell you, Hey, this is how it looks. This is how it should be. Play it this way, disguise it this way. But the difference is last year, your DB's coach was a former NFL player in Chris Harris that helped them understand what it looks like from a player's perspective alongside of being their coach. Now that guy has to move on because he probably thinks that he's getting the DC job, uh, a, a DC opportunity in Washington because Jack may not make it. That's why I feel like Josina Anderson strategically included him into her tweet yesterday with everything because Chris Harris did interview for the 49ers DC job, the Texas DC job and a couple other jobs. And he ended up just departing from Washington to just take DB's job in, in, tennis, in Tennessee. But those guys love Chris Harris because of the fact he was a former player. So he knew exactly what he was saying on the field and what they would be thinking. He could help key it in. And now you see a complete difference in the secondary, how they play things overall. Um, I just think, man, I, I don't even know what to think. it's not wrong because it's just frustrating for me because i've seen it the entire time with ron rivera he's refused to bring in veterans at certain position groups to help the younger guys and it and it just sucks like even take emmanuel forbes like kendall fuller is there but kendall's a real quiet individual man that's not really his mo like he'll help along the way but he's not going to be aggressive in that approach like this is the time when you need to be able to rely on a veteran corner to help coach up Emmanuel Forbes. Like if he's not going to get the reps, he can, he can help tutor him up. Um, don't necessarily need to be some all pro, uh, former all pro, anything of that nature, but someone that's experienced a, a high volume of amount of football that can help these guys. And you really don't have that on the back end of this team, nor do you really have it on the linebacker position. That's why Jamin Davis has his struggles, but, you look at even last year, Cole Holcomb was struggling. So who who the hell can help Jamin Davis if, if if the main person you kind of relying on is struggling as well? You can't coach nobody up when you trying to get it. Now, yeah, oh, I guess I, I'll go. Yeah, no, now the whole – I don't feel like you should miss a position coach that much. I mean, yeah, they matter. I mean, Chris Harris, I mean, obviously he had a good rapport with the players, but I still feel like – in some some way, this is on Jack Del Rio. Like you got to get the most out of these guys. You should know your personnel. How do you best help these guys? And it just still feel it still feels like these guys are still trying to fit these square pegs in the round holes, you know. And that's what they're doing. That's what you're seeing with the secondary. Like people are saying, "Oh yeah, you know, Emmanuel Forbes is better as a zone cornerback if they're playing him a lot." Man, 
I mean, if we can see that, they should be able to see that, you know? So it's like things like that. You just wonder, when are they going to adjust? And why does it take them so long to adjust? I mean, I think we talk about this a lot with them. These guys are much more reactive than proactive. And that's my issue with them. Everything they do is a reaction. And that reaction usually comes after they've been lost two or three straight games. You know, now we got to pick it up. Now we got to adjust. Like, I understand Ron Rivera's team's, are typically better in October and November, so to speak. Now, September, they're not really good, but why? Like, why Why is every year this is a thing? And we're seeing this among, you know, different players, different groups of guys. You know, while we talk about Jamin Davis, Jamin Davis, he's not bad. I mean, he's still learning. Then you go to the secondary, of course. Yeah, th- there's no real vet presence. I do want Cam Curl to be that vet guy. I feel like Cam has been here a couple of years, but – Again, I think it just comes back to coaching, man. These guys, they have talent. I think we see the talent there. I don't know how talented these guys are. I mean, I don't think none of these guys are necessarily maybe top 10 at their position. But these guys, you can get by with them, you know, especially with the defensive line you have. So I'm just going to always come back to, to this and say, this is coaching. They got to get more out of these guys, man. It's 100% coaching. The, the, and the secondary, it was so trash, man. I really don't even want to speak <laughs> on it. I'm going to talk about some competent football. I don't know if you all were able to watch the Raiders and Packers last night, right? I'm going to give y'all a guy who probably isn't as athletically gifted as anyone in our cornerback group. I watched Rasul Douglas last night put on a show. I literally watched that game. I said, damn, it feel like Rasul Douglas been in the NFL forever. Mm-hmm. But – that's what happens when you have got, and I don't. I think was Joe Barry their coordinator. I was say, don't vouch for Joe. Joe, I'm not vouching for Joe at all. But he looked like he's doing a better job. He looked like he's doing a better job than than Jack. All I'm saying is, if a guy like Rasul <laughs> Douglas is out here making plays, bro, and I'm watching Marcus Peters still make plays, and these dudes, they're savvy. I'm not taking away from their savviness. They just aren't athletically gifted. They are the Kendall Fullers of the world right now. Dog, why are they performing so much better than anybody else in our secondary? I think that's what bothers me. Like, I don't even want to talk about our secondary, if I'm being honest. Like, it's, I, it's, like it's, 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 the position, it's the position, Coach. So before, uh, while Joe Barry, Barry was calling the defense, the position coach who now moved on, uh, he's known as one of the top DB coaches and defensive uh, back minds in all of football, Jerry Gray. He helped Rasul Douglas get his technique down pat. Uh, he's now with Atlanta, actually. I think he's the passing game coordinator. But, like, position coaches do matter. Like, take, for example, when, when your DC when your DC knows that you've played the game, you you sat back and played safety. You feel me? You've been in the box. It's kind of hard to challenge that person's mind and perspective on what the DB should be doing and techniques or what they what they should do in certain looks. When you have a, a guy that's just <laughs> I mean, he could be coaching the position, but when it's a former player, you kind of gotta trust that a little bit more. And I just I just don't know, man. At the end of the day, I'm just tired of talking about Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. And like I said, the day that he gets fired, we're going to have a celebration, man. We popping bottles. <laughs> but let me say this, though. Uh, Montel, um, I was going to say this. When you mentioned the Raiders game, you know, I'm going a little bit off topic here. But I want to see someone on our defensive line wreck a damn game plan like Max, Max Crosby, Crosby did last night. <laughs> now, I mean, I know Chase, you know, he's, you know, he's getting pressures and all Chase of that. But good. wreck a game plan like Max Crosby. You yeah. know, and, and that that could that could possibly change everything. I mean, that's the type of guy I want to see on our defensive line. I do think Chase has that potential, but I want to start seeing that from Chase. Like, I like the pressures; 100%. that's all cool. But now, let's start wrecking some game plans with that talent, man. Hundred <laughs> percent. I get where AJ's coming from with with Rivera, and I think honestly, um, you know, the the crazy thing is, I, I know we spent this whole show like discussing problems and really just trying to get down to the root cause. Like, I hope like we, that's really what it is. Like, and, and we may have even gotten to it and, and maybe we even knew it before this show. Cause I think I, I, we, we all know where it stems from, right. The head coach, 
But I think also, I mean, obviously the person who hired him too, he's not here no more. But um, I think when we when we walked or, or projected kind of how this season would go for Ron, I, I don't think anything that's going on right now, I don't think uh, it was out of the realms of possibility in, in the sense of, we knew that this was a middling team. We knew that that was a mediocre head coach. Uh, I, I would say below average head coach in, in Ron Rivera, really. Um, and then you're talking about a, a team who would be going back and forth throughout the season in terms of like its wins, losses, and, and, and more, and probably more likely to not lose more than they win. Um, and then you're going to talk about an owner who is going to intervene at some point, whether it's after the season, whether it's November, whether it's December, or if it gets worse gradually and quicker, he may have to step in and do it before November, um, which is around the time that they usually give like that that interim that opportunity or December really. So I, I think everything is playing out exactly how people in the offseason even like assumed it would. And I and I think that's more so something where when you think about a grand scheme of things, it ain't nothing that should really be surprising us. I think the moment in which we're dealing with football and we understand that, sure, I know this year is a throwaway and I just want to see Sam Howell, you also got to recognize that you're emotionally invested into this team and this is something where it's like, I know we wasn't going to win every game, but God damn, 40 to 20 to the Chicago Bears, bro. And you mean to tell me I got 12 games? That's I got to I gotta play. We got to play against the 49ers. We got to play against the Miami Dolphins. Oh, my God. We got the Eagles on our schedule. We got the Cowboys, Cowboys twice. twice. The I, Rams. I got to watch all this. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and I think that's that's also a contributing factor to, like, understanding the situation that they're in and what Ron is in. Um, I'll leave, we can leave here with this, uh, and get up out of here, fellas. Um, I don't, and, and I'll get your thoughts, uh, as well, obviously. Uh, I don't think that there should be anything happening right now. Um, as I outlined just now, I, I think that this is literally going as planned in terms of giving Ron that leash to really, uh, hang himself, um, and, and, and hang and, and move on. Uh, I think one of the interesting things is this past, the past few days is even hearing Jay Gruden uh, comment on Grant and Danny's show, maybe yesterday, um, where he said he'd never heard of a coach not saying anything to his team at halftime. And he acknowledged <laughs> that on national television that he didn't say a word. He let the players figure it out. Um, now, granted, teams may... Uh, why you may do that. Why he tell us that? He's checked yeah. out. He, he talks too much. He talks too yes. much. <laughs> and you thought and you thought that was acceptable to say. So so for for me, like and matter of fact, I'm sorry for those who those who are keeping keeping count. I added that Ron, the the quote unquote Ronda fucked up again, but now new ownership is in place. Count add that number three. Add that to the third part. He admitted that he didn't say anything to the team at halftime and let them figure it out. The other two. First week of preseason comments on BNB and players. The second one, he admits that he didn't he didn't think Sam Howe was this good. Just last year, though, he did all the type of analytics on Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz fucking sucked. So I just like add all those three things to the list, man. All I'm saying is he's 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 putting he's putting the tape out there for the for the for the owners. Like they're doing the film review on Ron Rivera, and they're seeing, all right, man. Um Hey, let's circle back around the bye week, man, and I'll, I'll let you know what, what I'm thinking. You may be out of here by the bye week, um, or you may you may get the season, but guess what? You're gone because ain't no coming back from a 40 to 20 loss to the Chicago Bears. Yeah, Ma, I agree with you, but I disagree with you. I think some stuff has to start happening, and and I and and, and, and I say that, and it sounds emotionally driven, but I, I got I, I took some notes. Right, <laughs> Ron Rivera has given us one of these games every season where you know, all right, this team just ain't good enough. So this year was the 40 to 20 loss. 2022, I feel like it was the Bears win. Now, y'all may point to another game and say, that was the game I knew we wasn't good enough, right? That Bears win where it felt like we lost, I knew that we were not like a legitimate squad. In 2021, it was the Broncos loss, 17 to 10. It was October 30th, that game. And even in 2020, even though I consider that an outlier season, you can point to either game, the 2-6 and six loss when we lost to the Giants or the 2-7 and seven loss to the Lions. At some point, we have to just say, 
okay, as a fan base or whoever, let's embrace losing. Let's let's be sellers at the deadline. Let's get rid of guys on expiring contracts, whether it be Amante Sweat or Cameron Curl. I know they're fan favorites, but let's get rid of them. And nobody wants to hear stuff like this, but this is what has to happen because I know a lot of fans say, oh, losing doesn't really mean um, that you're going to win. Well, I have a lot of different examples of teams that were losing and now they're winning. You look at the Lions, they were losing. They had one of the better O-lines because they were losing and now they're winning. You look at the Bengals, they were losing because they were losing. They got Joe Burrow, they got Jamal Chase, and now they're winning. You look at the Dolphins, they were tanking for Tua, now they're winning. You look at the Jaguars, they were tanking, now they're winning. You look at the Eagles, who gave us that final game, now they're winning. I believe that when you choose a direction and you commit to it, that's your advantage. You either say, I'm being aggressive and I'm trying to win, or I'm being aggressive and I'm trying to lose. And with Ron Rivera, if you finish out this season, he's going to try to salvage his image whatever way he can. And he's going to leave us in that middle ground hell. And he's going to win seven games. And our defense is going to try to soak up some life. No, I want to get rid of Montez Sweat. I want to, if I can, trade John Allen. I want to start getting rid of, I want to get rid of guys and I want to commit to losing. And I want to say, Sam Howell, I want to develop you. Eric Bieniemy. you guys get some rapport. And Ron Rivera is here. He's not going to try to salvage his image by winning. No, you're going to go out the door a loser, and you're going to win four games. <laughs> I'm tired of that shit. For real, bro, because that's what, we, that's what we're going to have to deal with. And I think at some point, you have to commit to a direction. That is why the Lions are good now, and we still suck. Because they committed to a direction. Since Ron has been here, there is no direction. It's the middle. And that's what I keep telling people, bro. Sometimes winning, losing does lead to winning in big ways, but you got to commit to a direction. So, Montel, here's why I agree and disagree with you. I do agree that at some point you got to make those decisions, you know, get those like, you know, the trading guys. But I don't want that to happen this year for this reason and this reason only. I don't want Ron Rivera or anybody in his regime making any more decisions that's impacting anything going on in the future because I don't think they're going to be here after this season. So I'm not confident they're going to get the best trade packages for these guys. I mean, we've seen what the hell they got for Trent Williams. You know, so while I know us, us as fans, we don't like to sit through a bad season. I mean, even though we kind of get used to the shit because this is what we're used to as Washington fans. We sit through bad seasons, but we hate going through a bad season. I was kind of committed before this year, knowing going into this year that, hey, you're playing with house money. You know, and I, I kept saying that, you know, it's either you're going to be winning and having fun or you're getting rid of everybody at the end of the season. I mean, I, the more I'm watching of the season, I think that's where you're going. But I don't want to make any rash decisions. I think Josh Harris should just kind of stay pat, let this season play out the way it's going to play out. I'm sure he's already accumulated, you know, a list of names from front offices that he's going to be looking at. You know, they're doing their groundwork and everything. But I don't want Ron Rivera. Now, mind you, if this had been Rivera under. Should, I don't think Rivera will be making the decisions, though. I think that well, the the. Well, you're right, because who who would yeah, be? Yeah, everybody who that's that's, that's right. yeah, it's right. Because it'll be his crew. Yeah. Now, right. unless you got Josh Harris coming in there, you know, saying, "Hey, Ron, I want you to do this," which we don't want Josh we Harris doing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so yeah, it's gonna be Ron and his crew. You know, and I don't trust that they would give us the best packages. And I also don't trust that they will have our best interests in mind moving forward, knowing that they may not be here. And I also think with everything that's transpiring, you know, I think there was some talk before the season that, you know, at worst, you know, Ron Rivera may not be the coach here at the end of the season, but he could slide up into a front office role. I think that's off the table now, too. I don't think there's any way Ron Rivera ends up in a front office role here. Not with them. He looks check coach you know, Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Because you're, you're seeing that you, you as the ownership group, you're seeing all of this. We saw a Magic tweet the other day about how uninspired and how that's unacceptable the performance was. Then you got the Joe Cena Anderson tweet about Ron Rivera or about Josh Harris not making you know any rash decisions, but he doesn't like how the game may have impacted ticket sales. You know they are watching. They're looking at everything that's going on. They even if it may not look like it, even though it looks like Josh Harris is up in the booth, he's drinking like me on this show right now, and he's having a damn blast. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like people think he's not working or they're not watching, but they're watching everything. They're, they're evaluating everything. So, and I also think that Ron kind of knows this. You know, like he, you can just see it. Like I said, no one admits what he admitted 
at half to after halftime the other day. You just don't come out and say that. You know, at the time I thought, what that is really weird that he would say that. But I'm like, Ron is just so clumsy with his words. But he just to me looks like a guy that's checked out. He looks like he knows the writing is on the wall. And at this point, I think, you know, I, we might think he's stupid and everything, but I think he's smart enough to know that. I don't think I'm here at all after the season. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because what is he doing at this point? Ron's not coaching. He's delegating. He's sitting back watching everybody make decisions. But as the owner, if I'm the owner, I'm Josh Harris. I'm waiting because nothing I do, like if I sit up there and I say, hey, I'm going to go fire Ron Rivera right now, that changes nothing. I don't think that changes your ceiling moving forward this season. Only thing that might do is give players an incentive to quit. <laughs> you know, man, man, maybe now I'm checked out now because it's too much chaos going on here. Just let the season play out, clean house after the season, and let these new guys come in and make the decisions going forward for the future of the team. I just want before you go, AJ, this is quick. I just want <laughs> my new guys to come in with a full deck of chips, bro, with a whole bunch of cap space and a whole bunch of draft capital. And if we let the season play out, it's not gonna happen. And then we're gonna be waiting another season. To let things unfold, like that's just that's where we're gonna be at. It's we're not gonna see nothing happen for the next two, three years. Yeah, I mean, I think uh you gotta get rid of doodoo head if they lose on <laughs> if they lose on Sunday. And uh as a fan and as Ron Rivera's number one hater, I'm praying that Sunday they lose so we can end this experiment. Because at the end of the day. If you keep Ron in the fold the entire duration of the season, the, the things that you're asking for, you're wishing for to move on from players that got one year remaining on the contract and get some capital, it's not going to happen because happen. Josh Harris and the ownership group have to let them man those things due to the fact that essentially that staff is still in place. So if they're not if 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 they have to let him make the decisions, then it's kind of like what is the what does he gain from that? You feel me? I'm gonna be building draft capital for the next head coach. <laughs> you got you got to get rid of the head coach. That's the 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 coach centric approach. You get but AJ. He's not just the head coach. He's the GM. So That's if you fire point. him, That's... his man's making a decision, and his man's nah. ain't gonna be here next year. Either. Can we so... bring in somebody for the <laughs> so... interim for GM? Goddamn it! So... So but who is out there waiting? What what good GM is know. waiting for a job in Man, October? It's, it's not even it's not even just that. It's like you you still don't have to necessarily make those moves. I mean, if you're gonna be losing like that, yeah, you would like to get a fourth pick possibly for a guy that you possibly uh won't be resigning uh next year. But I feel like you gotta move on from Ron altogether. Uh there's a lot of games left in the season, as we stated. You still got the Giants, who you haven't played. You play them twice. You still play the Cowboys twice. You play the Eagles in a couple weeks from now. You also play 49ers, Seahawks, Miami Dolphins, um, the Jets. Like you, you, you play a lot of a lot of quality teams, and you keep, keep you can't keep letting this go on because even from a business standpoint, you took you just took over ownership. Last thing you want to do is is have this team look like a stinker and not be able to sell them hope. You bring in an interim head coach like an Eric Bieniemy, you're now selling hope to the fan base, which keeps them engaged, which keeps them coming into the games, all of those things. So it's like for Sunday, man, you kind of you kind for me, I'll say for me, I want them to lose because that will force the hand of this ownership group to make a, a hard decision, which is getting rid of Ron Rivera and letting Eric Bieniemy run the show for the rest of the season because that would be four straight losses. Uh, and then on top of that, you still got a chance to still compete to to be something, but at least you get a new voice in there because, yeah, your boy Ron has been tapped out. He, he's been through this before. Like when he was with Carolina, David Tepper took over. So he knows what this looks like. He knows He knows the conversations that he's had with them privately. Like they've had their meetings. He knows what's going on. The the thing is, the media really don't be the media don't really be giving him too much pushback and asking him enough questions. But they could pops, possibly get an answer out of him that would tell you everything that you need to know that the writing is on the wall. Like you think Magic Johnson sent out that tweet and the rest of the ownership group didn't sit down and have a a Zoom meeting with with Ron Rivera the following day. 
you think they just let that slide? They just went back to their to their homes wherever they live and they jets? Hell no. Nah. They had a discussion with him because that's national TV. There's only one game on Thursday, Thursday night. You're embarrassing us product-wise. And we still got the rest of the season to go. We also got another national game coming up Thanksgiving against the Dallas Cowboys. The last thing we need in our new experience as owners is having this debacle go down. At least if we are going to lose, we can lean on the fact that it's the interim head coach now in place that is having to pick up the pieces on the fly. But we also seen a team turning around with an interim head coach last year in the Carolina Panthers. I think if Eric Bieniemy was the voice and the true preparer of this team week in and week out, this team would look completely different night and day. You you may not be wrong. Um, we'll see how it all unfolds. Uh, everybody in the chat who's been tapping in throughout the show, we appreciate y'all. Uh, I got to talk to y'all about the schedule. Dre, AJ, we'll, we'll lock in, but um, that's going to wrap it up for us. All 32 side is going to be live tomorrow, 7 p.m. Eastern, as always, on a Wednesday. Montel, appreciate you checking in and chopping and, and it up with the fellas, man. You know you can always come through. So uh, we're going to see you again soon. Um, again, like, subscribe, nor would I see you. Um, like, subscribe if you haven't done so already. Uh, rate review on the audio side if you haven't done that either, fellas. Y'all be safe, man. Um, we're gonna catch, we're gonna, we're gonna catch up uh soon. Um, forgot the schedule, thing like that. We'll chop it up. It's gonna wrap it up for us. Got here, peace. Damn, set, huh? Watch him throw the ball. We're gonna pick it off. You're gonna let him hit the hole, or you're gonna cut it off. You're gonna play through fourth and long, or you're gonna punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on. Keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trap and Dive. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.